0: this is everything elite the world's best podcast devoted to aew all elite wrestling it's mike spears aaron is on assignment he's seeking out amon ra and other egyptian deities right now but i'm joined by nate aka pedestas what's up nate
1: hello mike i am here uh i do not need to seek any egyptian deities as i have already uh Found my mine of choice. Do you have a favorite Egyptian deity, Mike?
0: Ah, uh, you know Amun Ra. I mean, that's what I'm going with. Uh, they they have like I did classical studies in undergrad, and you get to kind of get to know a bunch of the deities. And gotta say, bigger fan of the Canaanite deities than I am of the Egyptians.
1: So I don't. I'm not familiar with the Canaanite deities, although I do. I have always liked. The, the name or the word Canaan, uh, of course, I think a, certainly a biblical city. Was it in, in Egypt, the city of Canaan?
0: Well, the land of Canaan uh, encompasses modern Palestine, Lebanon, Jordan, Syria, and Israel. And oh, there so were that, bunch okay. of, a bunch of city states. But you had Moloch. You had Yahweh is originally from that pantheon, of course. And it's yeah, like deviated. Yeah, uh, there's like four different fine kinds of Baal with it. It's uh Gad, the god of fortune, so that's good for Josh Gad. You know, I mean there's a lot of good ones there. Arusu, the god of the evening star. Like what's mm. there not to love about that?
1: I think Mol Moloch Moloch I only know from Persona or from Shin Megami Tensei. Um can't mention Josh Gad without giving a shout out to Norbert Leo Butts, of course, talking musical theater. Um, talking butts. I do there's a there's a country singer named Kanan. really, who I think had, I think had uh, like some some small moderate hits, um, and I think is probably is very successful as like a songwriter for other artists. I forget his last name Smith.
0: Kanan Smith. That is a name. Uh, there is the Brazilian race car driver Tony Canaan, but it's spelled differently. Uh, I'm not seeing there is the Canadian Somalian uh, hip hop artist Kanan, and not seeing a country artist named Kanan. But okay, you I'm do, see a you, Kanan, do no, see a. you do see. I was right.
1: It was Kanan Smith.
0: Kanan Smith. Okay.
1: Yeah, he. Uh, let's see. He's released two albums. Most recently in 2021, had a number one hit on the Billboard Country Airplay chart. So there you go.
0: So that's your favorite um, canon, then, is what well, you're saying.
1: No, but I do have a story. Uh, well, I guess it's not really my story. Um, but he was on The Amazing Race. Did you ever watch The Amazing Race, Mike?
0: Oh, I was a big CBS reality show's head. The whole Spears family was. We would gather around, you know, watch Survivor going into The Amazing Race, and then also Big Brother in the offseason. That, okay. that, was, that was kind of peak competition reality TV outside of the challenge, if you think about it
1: well, uh, uh maybe you'll remember Kanan from probably his most famous moment on the show is he was on the amazing race with his girlfriend, uh and they were like in the home stretch, might have even been the final episode we you know the the final race to the finish line, uh and they had to go down like the world's tallest water slide, and his girlfriend was afraid of heights and was like terrified to go down this water slide um and so he like. <laughs> You know, he, he had his like hands on her shoulders and there was like, there was a, he was on the precipice of like pushing her down the water slide, Okay. Um, which, you know, an extremely steep water slide, not like your average water slide where that's not a big deal, but like a water slide where like, if she comes off that thing, uh, you know, with too much momentum going forward instead of down or whatever, like it could be a serious injury or something.
0: Um, okay, I've just pulled them up now. This was after I stopped watching Amazing Race. Okay. Uh, yeah,
1: I only checked in for for a couple of seasons. Um Mike White yeah. was
0: on it. Mike White, that's ad. right.
1: This was post uh, School of Rock, Mike White. Correct. Um so, you know, and, and he ultimately I, I I don't know if somebody, I don't know if like one of the employees stepped in or something and uh and pulled them off or or something, but uh she didn't go down the water side, so they didn't win. Um, but then he went on to, uh, you know, presumably make a bunch of money, make a bunch of money in country music instead. Uh, so that's the Cannon Smith story. Uh, the only reason I, I have special familiarity with it is uh, he sung at my sister's wedding because they were actually friends in college. Uh, so I rode around in the back of like a pickup truck with this guy for like you know, six hours setting up the on the day of the wedding and stuff. Um, and he, he was a great singer. So there you go. That's that's the most famous Caden that I know.
0: Uh, he also appeared on season four of Bar Rescue. This guy got around. He really yeah, no, did. He, I, he loves fame, for sure. <laughs> uh,
1: but was, you know, uh, if you discount him, you know, potentially seriously injuring his girlfriend by pushing her down a very tall water slide... Uh, you know, he was very, very pleasant and, and kind, uh, on the day I spent with him.
0: Would you be surprised to know that Cannon and Mika did not make it past the amazing race as a couple?
1: I saw that. I just, uh, I, I pulled him up to make sure I had his name, right. And yeah, he, he married some other woman and, and is now had, had a daughter. They named Virginia, which of course is where the uh, wedding was
0: well there you go I mean the closest link I have to Cbs reality was one of the original seasons of big brother one of my cousin's ex-girlfriends was on it and they had to send him a release form because this was back where like they would put like they would have big brother on TV and then I don't know this was before it was like on showtime or whatever but they would have like the live stream is like, Oh, you're mentioned on here. You need to sign this release. And I, I think it was like in the day where like they would have it like streaming online, but this was like early 2000. So it was yeah. like real media streaming. It was like yeah. real player. And everyone was like, well, did you watch to See what it said? And everyone was like, we didn't want to see what they had to say about cam. That relationship did not go well. <laughs> would just uh, not sign the release. <laughs> I mean, and it's like,
1: now what are you going to do? You're going to have to bleep it out.
0: I I mean this cousin, uh, you know, I I'm not surprised he signed the release. Uh, you know, he he played Division two football. But, that that the, mm. you know, I mean, if you're playing Division two football, at a certain point, you're doing it for the game, you're not doing it for the money. And if you're playing football in college at that level, you know, you got to ask some questions about them. To be quite honest.
1: Have you ever signed a, a release for a television appearance, Mike?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, it. I've been in the crowd for stuff before, so like you have to, like sign like the thing or like it's implicit that it's been there for that, so I don't know if if I signed very many releases for television, but I think there were like implied releases of me being in the audience of stuff
1: sure, yeah, they have those posted yeah i i I have signed one um I think just one
0: was this your remember. comedies? was this your comedy central comedy a uh, special stand up days
1: no those those were all uh you know uh implied consent by attending you know they'd post the signs or whatever um this was for my appearance on netflix's house of cards starring kevin spacey
0: i i think we both know someone who worked on the crew of that. oh really yeah 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 no that i mean but how'd you end up there because they they shot i thought they shot most of house of cards in baltimore and north carolina
1: yeah probably no I, i just made a digital appearance uh in that they they put my twitter handle in an episode
0: <laughs> okay how did i not know that, that at a i don't know. Was i wonder going?
1: i wonder if uh this was probably before uh we were twitter friends that's fair this probably came up um it was right after the first season of house of cards uh And then I I actually I never watched the season on which my Twitter handle appeared (laughs) (laughs) because they killed off Zoe Barnes, which is the whole draw of the show for me
0: was the Zoe Barnes character played by Kate Mara. I I mean, if that was your thing, you should not watch the UK series of which it was based on because Zoe Barnes character gets really quickly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She dies at the end of season one of the American version. Uh, So I was like, well, I'm not watching this show anymore. I'm not I wasn't watching the show for Kevin Spacey's fucking accent.
0: Yeah, cuz Kevin Spacey is supposed to be from South Carolina on that show. He's supposed to be from Gaffney, which actually was a really realistic depiction of that, you know, like sometimes I they actually came down and shot the Peachoid, which is the oh, that's giant right.
1: I remember the Peachoid episode. That was a big episode.
0: Dude, whenever I go to Charlotte, I drive by the Oid, and for some reason, because of that episode, I think of House of Cards, and that tells you how broke my brain is. Rather than, hey, look at that giant water tower thing. Well,
1: I mean, it, it was like the focus of that episode, so I don't blame you. You know, it was like, an entire episode was about the Peachoid, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was all about going back and pissing on his dad's grave. I right. think. Yeah, that sounds yeah. right i know that you jumped off so he got into like just and yeah like house of cards Kevin spacey yeah i know uh he got into like warhammer on the show like painting figurines (laughs) because they wouldn't let him do online gaming like how did Mm. these shows get made like it was like yeah he likes to go play call of duty and, and and go yell at teenagers i'm like wow that's with Kevin Spacey, uh retrospect is not really strong with that one. But then they then it was like, "Oh, he has to now paint figurines." It was like Kevin Spacey is in a Warhammer in this TV show. Yeah. Adjacent.
1: I I kind of I get that from like a uh a choice to make for like the visual presentation of it. Like, "Well, we don't just want him, you know, holding a controller in his hand or doing some other hobby." So, you know, the idea is that he's the, the government puppet master and, you know, making all these moves to put himself in power. So he likes the war games, but, you know, he's not just going to be a, a guy who watches football or something. We, we can show him, you know, painstakingly paint these little figurines to as like a visual metaphor for what he would be doing with his role in government or something. So I get that. Uh, but it sounds very silly.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it's nuts. Well, you were talking about your Twitter profile at Epitasis. You could follow me at Fujihaya with two eyes. You could follow Aaron at Aaron like the car. And while you're there, make sure to follow at everything AEW as well. You could look at our Linktree site. I'm not gonna do Aaron's thing where he likes going Linktra. It's Linktree, where it has links to where you can find us in all of our other formats, as links to our podcast profile on red circle has a link to our patreon patreon.com slash everything elite and a link to our youtube channel and if you're on the youtube channel throw us a subscribe there as well but nate we're going to kick off the show this post-revolution fallout edition of aew dynamite with the game we play all the time it's time for elite or delete and for our first time listeners this is where we both pick things we like from the show things we did not like with the show just kind of kicking off the show that way so nate on this very talk heavy episode of dynamite what is your elite
1: i guess i'm going to give it to our opening segment here um one of many talk segments as you mentioned but you've got the best talker in professional wrestling eddie kingston you know carrying the weight of this comes out to confront chris jericho uh, you know, does classic great Eddie Kingston promo talking about his own weaknesses and flaws and, uh, you know, how he's using that to motivate himself in wrestling and how, you know, Jericho needs to find his own weaknesses and flaws that explained why he wouldn't shake Eddie Kingston's hand after they had that great match. Um, You got a lot to like in this opening segment. It got. It got space to breathe for the most part because, you know, Jericho's going to get his time and, and Eddie has carved himself a a place in this company where they, they trust him on the mic, you know, implicitly. So he's going to get his time. Got some nice stuff with Jericho and talking about how it was one of the best matches that he's had in his career. Um, and you got Jericho offering his hand to Eddie and, you know, say, Hey, you know, I messed up. I, I went back in my word you beat me i said that i would shake your hand uh i respect you and then he shakes his hand um and then you get the formation of the jericho appreciation society 2.0 and daniel garcia come out to ruin the moment but then of course jericho turns on kingston and turns on santana and ortiz who had come out for the save uh to join up with 2.0 and Daniel Garcia. Jay Kager comes down, you know, also does a fake out or whatever, and then joins in with the Jericho Appreciation Society. And we get this new unit built on the rubble of the old inner circle. Uh, Yeah, this, this kind of struck, you know, every way in which I enjoy wrestling and that you got the great emotional stuff from Eddie Kingston. You got the, you know, stuff that always feels totally real and sincere from him. Uh, but also always furthers his storyline and goes toward, you know, a fight for some reason. Um, you got sort of Jericho enjoying the twilight of his career and and talking about, hey, you know, I had one of my, my best matches ever. Uh, you know, fun to see him appreciate that at this point in his career. And then you got finally the inner circle coming to an end, which was, you know, kind of overdue probably because they had teased it one way or another for what seems like the last year or something. Uh, Sammy had already quit. Santana Ortiz were on the outs with Jericho, and then it seemed like they were back on the same page with him. Uh, then Jericho betrays them here. Uh, then you get this new unit, which I think is, um, you know, kind of maximizing the value of the guys, most of the guys that you have in it. You got Jericho and Hager still together. You got the other two obnoxious Canadians 2.0 and then you got Daniel Garcia as sort of the Sammy Guevara of the group who hopefully the focus is going to be on building him up and and making him a star coming out of this. Uh I was the the name is very silly. They had I mean maybe they wanted to get away from the inner circle name but you've got you've got two guys from the inner circle and then the other people in the group are called 2.0. So you just could have combined it and called it inner circle 2.0 and it would have made perfect sense. But I don't know. They they didn't want to uh, go back to that well or Jericho wanted to make sure his name was in there. Uh, <laughs> so the Jericho Appreciation Society of Chris Jericho, Jake Hager, 2.0 and Daniel Garcia. That's a fun unit. Uh, maybe we're missing out a little bit by Daniel Garcia not being in with Moxley and uh, uh, Danielson but you know, at least he has a big role here obviously because uh, as usual, like I said, Jericho's going to get his time so these guys are going to have something to do. Uh, and now you have, on the other hand, Eddie had that great match, got his respect, uh, and now he's got this heightened feud with Jericho, uh, and now he's got the natural alliance with Santana and Ortiz coming right back, which, you know, we've been we've been hungry to see really since day one. I mean, you know, since before day one, since day zero, when it was just Santana and Ortiz in this company, and I was on the podcast every week saying that AEW needs Eddie Kingston. So, yeah, I think this was like the most – fully realized segment on the show where it got the time, you know, everybody played their role and uh it come away probably is a, a positive for everybody with some momentum going in all directions.
0: Yeah. Uh Eddie's promo where he talked about the fan fest and then talking to Jericho's is like, is this enough to fill that hole in your heart? I thought was remarkable stuff. Like, Eddie, when he's given stuff to really sink his teeth into and and like speak to truth rather than like doing like wrestling stuff. I feel like, you know, the, the, since it's so natural with him because it comes from within, it's one of those like unique skills that not very many people are able to pull off in wrestling. And then the angle itself, I thought it came off very well. And like you said, like this unit, Jericho Appreciation Society, for one, we're going to have to figure out what to do about the Patreon tier now. Like, that's now out of date, even though Inner Circle's kind of perfect for that tier <laughs> that tier thing. Yeah,
1: we can't call it the Jericho Appreciation Society. That's definitely out.
0: No, that's out. We're going to have to, like, think this. We can't call it American Top Team. Like, that 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 can't no, be it No, yeah, it, it is
1: international. It's open to, to all nationalities, of course.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll have to workshop this. But I like the fact that Jericho Appreciation Society, with 2.0, they're, like, the perfect flunkies for this group because... They will, they're great in all these beatdowns, and all you have to do to really like keep them up is just, you know, you can beat them up and then they'll just chat shit and they'll get their heat back. So, I mean, like Daniel Garcia can get promoted above them just by the process of doing these matches, like, like doing like eight man tags, 10 man tags, because you have obvious people to drop falls there. You don't need to have it be Daniel Garcia. The name itself, I mean, I, it's Jericho. So, of course, like eventually Jericho was going to get something named after him in a way. So I can't be like so disaffected by that, you know. Yeah, it it, it makes sense
1: because it is Jericho. He's got that character where it's like, of course, this asshole would name it after himself. So even though it's silly and goofy and, you know, kind of bad, it all feeds into his character. So it, you know, works out being good in the end.
0: Yeah. And it's something that, you know we're we're pretty much seeing the pinnacle fall apart right now uh, as this episode went on as well. So oh, it's another, like,
1: another stable dissolving in AEW. Wow. Two
0: that's in, unusual. Two in one night. Two. At least. And, yeah. It, it's wild stuff. So it's nice that like now we could have in theory, a new big, bad stable, you know, a new like lead heels and you can do this uh, LAX and Jericho appreciation society feud. I mean, that seems like if you wanted to have a direction for blood and guts, if they're going to be doing that this year, that seems like a very obvious one to me as well. So, you know, I feel I, I'm with you on this. This was a really strong way. I want to say that Jake Hager almost broke Eddie Kingston's neck on that power bomb.
1: Yeah, that was, uh, that was rough. Um, there, there were a lot of moments throughout tonight's show where people were just not quite connecting or a, a step off or whatever it was. Um, but that was especially rough looking. um, Well, yeah, 2.0 is really a better team in this spot than Santana and Ortiz because, you know, Santana and Ortiz were, you know, had too much potential and were too good and were too over to be in that role where they were Jericho's underlings. And that became the story is that they're like, hey, we're tired of fighting your battles. You know, we need to be looking out for ourselves. Um, Whereas 2.0 is in the perfect spot where they can be fighting Jericho's battles and it'll elevate them, if anything, because they're, you know, you know, they've been featured on TV heavily since they came in. Um, but they're, you know, they're not stars where, you know, you're you're not maximizing them by putting them with Jericho. No, that, they're the perfect guys that should be like Jericho's underlings fighting his battles.
0: Yeah, no, I, I'm totally with you on that. Uh, my elite is the AEW world title match. Hangman, Adam Page defending against Dante Martin on a show that, if someone, I don't know if they still have people that still like clock these things. I know that was like a big thing for a while was clocking how much wrestling was on this versus how much wrestling was on NXT. This what this felt like the least wrestling intensive show that they've had. This was very much feeling like the, the the trope of it's Raw but better. This felt like the post-WrestleMania Raw kind of show in a way. But this match, I felt like it was announced at 5 o'clock. And I was like, oh, okay, we're doing this then and hayman adam page and dante martin they had great chemistry dante martin like eating a very sick de- death valley driver in a commercial break like it was like the rare match that had me like glued to the, the picture-in-picture box they had a kind of wacky reversal sequence that went into the buckshot lariat that you know might have been a little bit too cute for half but i was like all right the the chemistry was obviously there and like, it was just something that was like nice seeing Dante Martin kind of getting his shine in this way when it seems like that they're going to gear him back towards top flight that it's like, you know, you did a great job over the last year having you go solo, you know, at a very young age and you knocked it out of the park. Here's a good like note for you to go out on and we can go back to that. And I mean, that's something that Hangman said in the post match about that. And, you know, I thought this was by far the best match on the night.
1: Yeah, I like this. I, I liked sort of how they framed it like that and, and sort of the use they got out of their rankings uh, by putting this match together, which, yeah, like like you said, Hangman spelled it out, that uh, Dante had been put into the singles division because his brother was out and, you know, they'd spend all this time giving him featured television time and uh, giving him some wins um, and so now we, he got to this point where he's ranked um, but we're moving him to the tag team division again. So, Hey, you know, give him a little title challenge to blow that off. Uh, have the, the valiant baby face champion, put him over. Um, and then he can, he could go back to the tag division without it seeming like, you know, a demotion of some kind or something like that. Instead, it's like, no, you're, you know, he's continuing to make forward progress because he's a young guy he's learning. He got this big opportunity. Uh, and now we'll take that forward. Um, and yeah, you know, you remember this is a guy who like took Kenny Omega to the limit in one of those 6-man tags they did when Omega was the champion. Um so it all fits together perfectly that, you know, he would be able to put up a fight against Adam Page the champion. Uh but I also think they really they kind of paced this match perfectly or, you know, divided this match up perfectly in terms of how much offense uh Dante got against Page and that, you know, Dante has the skill set the move set and you know the the speed and the high flying moves and all these reversals and stuff that kind of make him a threat against anybody you know his offense comes out of nowhere in a way that it's like you know it, it never defies belief that he'd be able to get some spots in on the champion uh but you know hangman page is the valiant champion you know he's he's established he's the best guy in the company so he wins matches um and that's what we got here basically is that Dante put up a valiant fight. I think I've said valiant three times, Um, but, (laughs) but page, you know, uh, just, just too good and too experienced uh, and is able to beat him for the victory and, you know, do so, I think in the perfect match length as well. Um, So I enjoyed that a lot. Um, I was, you know, I I think we can forget like what a freak athlete uh, Adam page is at times. Like obviously Dante is like, an otherworldly athlete where, again, uh, uh th- the guy can, you know, jump to the ceiling and d- do crazy shit and do it without missing a beat and can still, you know, wrestle a sound match around all of that. Um But we kind of forget, like, how strong Page is and, like, oh, Adam Page can do crazy flips and shit without, you know, breaking a sweat also. Um And it's kind of remarkable to have those things in this – in this champion who i think they continue to present and book really well um so yeah this was uh yeah i think i agree this was this was the strong point of the wrestling on the show not that it had a ton of competition
0: yeah and like talking about like the pacing about this like for someone like dante barton having like a 12 minute tv title match made perfect sense and even like you can go like People so we'll like, oh yeah, Paige had like that big long main event match. No, it makes sense. I mean, Dante puts up a fight, but he's not at that level yet. And he got like his perfect mouth of offense, as you said, and like the strength of him. I mean, catching him on a crossbody, but the momentum taking him down. But then like still getting him up for the fallaway slam afterwards, and making it look like a way that was totally believable. I mean, Hangman. It, it, in some ways like the, he's not like he doesn't have like the jumping ability of dante and but like it, i don't know how much you cared for the decade adam page but like the, there was something i was like oh i kind of see a little bit of how page was as like that kind of character in ring of honor and dante martin here and, and like he kind of built i was like oh yeah there's like some really obvious and clear chemistry here and i thought that that was really special so we have, with Aaron gone, we're going to be doing two listener elites and deletes this week. The way you get your elite or delete listed on air is, if you're a patron, you go into our Discord channel, elite or delete. And we are going to start off first with Tracy A. saying, Wardlow's World.
1: Yeah, I, I remembered this segment as I was going through my own elite and was like, oh, you know what, that was probably also a potential elite was Wardlow's babyface promo. Um, and it was very strong. Uh, and another example of like how unnaturally good this company is at presenting baby faces. I, I think maybe because they've been gifted with some performers who are like natural baby faces, like not, not in terms of, Oh, they're really good at, you know, doing baby face fire and selling and doing a comeback and, and this stuff. But people who just project as likable and decent people outside. So you kind of root for them, you know, on that meta level, meta level, in addition to rooting for their character or whatever it is. So like Adam Page, you know, Wardlow is a guy who you see in this promo and just kind of start to root for naturally, even when he's been, I mean, of course, I've, I've been rooting for this guy, uh, since maybe he debuted in this company. Uh, just immediately thought he was awesome. Thought he was the next Batista, uh, but here we we got a little bit of maybe him as a real guy or, you know, maybe some of his, his real backstory in this babyface promo, just talking about, uh, you know, how he spent all this time chasing somebody else's dream. And then he, uh, you know, uh, uh, started to look out for himself because he'd been uh, taken advantage of in that way and fell into another relationship with MJF where MJF was taking advantage of him. Uh, and he thought that's what he had to do in order to, Chase his dream and uh provide for his family, talked about growing up poor and wanting to support his mother, which is just, you know, fantastic babyface shit right there. Uh a guy who loves his mother, that's easy babyface stuff. Uh in any time in any era. Um and, you know, th- they did a great job of threading that needle. Like, yeah, I did some bad shit. I fucked over a lot of people, uh, for MJF, um, and was, you know, uh, cheating and a bully and doing all these things to give MJF wins. Um, but now I'm going to explain to you why I did that and why actually that makes me a baby face. Uh, and it's like, you know, not super easy to do, um, but he's naturally engaging. He's naturally likable. Uh, you know, didn't, didn't feel unsteady or uncertain for a minute on the microphone. Like it, it wasn't like he was, you know, doing a bunch of big evocative uh, demonstrative performance things where he's, you know, doing big voices or, you know, getting real intense or anything. He was just kind of talking straight ahead to camera in like kind of a normal way. Uh, But it felt honest and it felt like just a, a, a very natural thing for him to do. So he's got that requisite confidence. We already know he can do the facials and the acting and all that other stuff and just seem like the coolest guy in the world. Uh, and here's him just also being able to carry a whole promo when, I don't know, for the first 18 months, did Wardlow ever speak in this co- company? I think he said one thing to Jake Hager, and I, everybody was like, holy shit, Wardlow talked. Um, yeah. So, you know, that this represents uh, him coming a long way in that as well. So, yeah, this was great to sort of set Wardlow up for whatever his next phase is.
0: Yeah, it, it's something that I think the relatability, which is like the same thing with like Eddie Kingston, like if it is like based in truth, like it's such a common vein that we've seen in pro wrestling pretty much since like they started doing promos in pro wrestling. Like the guy who's basically from tough upbringing and he's doing this. Revised, he's like, I did bad things, but I hope you all forgive me. And talked about how he enabled Max. I thought that it was something that. That requires like a level of confidence to kind of pull off that kind of promo, and I'm not saying that this promo was the best promo of the night. Eddie easily like trumped him on that by far, and he had a lot of other just like talking going on here. But this was a tough needle to thread in someone's like first real talking because I think he's talked a lot more on like his BTE stint where the inner where the uh, dark order was in love with him than he's ever talked on TV before tonight. Like, he just we just had, like, physically emote before there. But instead, he was able to nail a promo. He was getting the Goldberg-Wardlow chance, which, you know, that is this crowd. We can get into the crowd when we get into the elites here. You know, that was kind of promising with that. And he just came off like a very likable, sincere character. And it's very clear, at least to me, what route they're going to be going with him. And especially given what next week is and... The fact that he's going to be facing Scorpio Sky and Scorpio's first TNT title defense that you could easily like there are some people going in. It's like, oh, yeah, Scorpio could just be like holding the belt for a week. But I think it's pretty clear that, you know, it's going to be MJF and Wardlow going forward. But it's enough right there that to like set up that feud with this promo other than like the past two and a half years of like backstory here. This promo in of itself could set off that feud. And I thought that that was kind of remarkable. Okay, so another listener elite we have on the show is we have a lot of people that kind of Wardlow, Jericho, Appreciation Society segment. Uh, Table had an interesting point that, you know, it might have been talky, I think, but Table made a good point here. The show continued the momentum from the pay-per-view. Maybe the best reset show they've done. I don't know if I necessarily agree with the second part of that statement, but feels like the momentum continued through here. Like, I don't feel like I was like really let down other than, you know, this was a talky episode.
1: Yeah. I don't think, I don't agree with the second part. Really. Uh, It certainly could continue to momentum in that a lot happened. (laughs) Uh, There were things happening up and down this show. Um, So that, that can definitely be a positive, you know, that things happen instead of nothing happens. Um, sometimes too many things can happen. Sometimes so many things happen that they don't all land as effectively as they might otherwise. Um, But yes, in terms of, hey, we're resetting, we're setting up new feuds, we're setting up new stables, we're setting up new debuts. uh, Certainly a lot of that happens.
0: Yeah, and it's something that I think on your point of maybe a lot of things happening that kind of you forget some of it, like, FTR, like firing Tully Blanchard happened like in a 40 second segment here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So like it it does feel like the momentum continued and like we obviously had Danielson and Moxley continue with William Regal, that storyline going on. We have kind of Hangman falling out with uh, Dark Order. We have uh, just in general, you know, Thunder Rosa, you you know, I mean, very obviously since they announced this match, she's getting her match next week in san antonio so like it does feel like that they're keeping the ball rolling but it's also collecting steam and kind of rolling over everything in a way if that makes sense yes it's, Yeah. It's, it's a snowballing avalanche for
1: sure yeah I, right. I mean i'll, I'll take the right into my delete because um i mean not not that this well so yeah I, maybe i was the low person on this show really it seems like people enjoyed it a lot i had the thought or i had been thinking since uh our reaction show to revolution uh and i was wondering if i was too hard on that show on the podcast um because it was undoubtedly full of a bunch of great wrestling uh and matches um but as i mentioned there uh, i am codeine roads this week i'm on painkillers all week um and i'm low energy for that reason uh and just in general when i watch wrestling i'm dependent on having a, a hot crowd to carry me through a five hour wrestling show. And then I, you know, do a, do a podcast for an hour and a half after that. Um, so that does kind of color uh, a lot of how I take shows in. Um, so bearing that in mind, uh, I, I, I acknowledge that I may be alone uh, or on an Island uh, just in terms of how I took this show as a whole, uh, which is that, yeah, they did so much, um, and they did so much of it on fast-forward. Uh, and the the thing I'll delete and the example I'll use for this is the Andrade Hardy family office angle, um, which was absolutely a case of uh, getting the least possible out of what should have been a, a big, cool angle, I think. Um, you know, we talked about how, how much potential there was and how funny it could be and how uh, amusing or whatever it could be to have like a board meeting set up for this, this stable. Cause you've got uh, a bunch of talented performers who can do, who can do acting and who can do skits and who are naturally funny. I mean, you know, maybe Matt Hardy isn't naturally funny in every context, but you know, he set up the whole broken universe thing, which is kind of, uh, you know, which was like formative wrestling comedy in this era. Um, You know, Andrade has shown that he's very funny. Jose, the assistant, obviously very funny Uh, has my early endorsement for best Twitter account of the year. Uh, Private party, especially Isaiah, you know, have been showing a lot of personality and been funny. Um, But they announced this emergency board meeting or whatever. And then they cut to all the guys already in the ring. There's no entrances. There's no pomp and circumstance. You know, there's none of the effort that they went to when uh, MJF and Jericho had a debate or, you know, MJF had his campaign speech or any of these other sort of uh, big talky angles that they that they have done. Uh, It's just, you know, we're backstage in one second and then two seconds later, we're in the ring and all five guys are there and they're already talking. You know, you you can just feel the feel the lack of 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 care and time that they're going to get. And then the actual angle is okay well i guess the way we're doing this is i guess this is now a vote on if matt hardy will still be in the andrade hardy family office uh and matt says well you, you know you can't vote me out because private Party's always going to vote with me and look they've set up this thread of uh you know matt continues to you know, dismiss private party and talk down to private party and be disappointed in private party over and over again and, you know, walk out on private party. Uh, but then always comes back and says, Oh, you know, I'm sorry. Well, I mean, this happens on like Twitter, but I'm I'm sorry. You know, we, we got back on the same page, you know, it'll be better going forward, blah, blah, blah. So they did attempt to put all that work in. Uh, but then the actual segment is like, okay, we're doing a vote. Uh, am I, is Matt Hardy in or out? And then private party pretends to vote that he's in, but then they turn their thumbs upside down, uh, not as effective as the Dave Batista thumbs down, uh, and then they all attack him. Um, and, yeah, it just didn't... It, it just seemed like a missed opportunity. Uh, and then you have Darby and Sting come out for the save, I guess. I, I mean, I don't know why they would save Matt. There's no reason to save Matt. I mean, you know, they've been feuding with with Matt. They've been feuding with Matt and Andrade and Jose uh, and Private Party been feuding with all those guys. Uh, But they came out for the save for some reason. And then we see what that reason is, although it didn't make sense in the moment. Jeff Hardy comes out. Now, you know, Jeff Hardy's, Jeff Hardy being in the company, Jeff Hardy, you know, them going to the trouble of getting, you know, his production library music. So he has his classic Hardy Brothers music. That's great. Uh, You know, we've been, ever since he guys released from WWE, we've been saying, well, you definitely get Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy's definitely coming in. Um, So, you know, all those things are positives, but, you know, also kind of foregone conclusions. Uh, But Jeff Hardy comes in for the save um, and then we see kind of Jeff Hardy and Darby Allin have a moment. So, that's all fine and good, but I don't know, just felt like so much other stuff on the show, like you mentioned, the, the Tully angle, you had more stable disillusion with Uh, Adam Page and the Dark Order. You had this stable turning on Matt Hardy uh, like immediately after uh, uh, Chris Jericho turned on his stable. Uh, I I, I recalled when Tony Khan went on Observer Radio and like criticized New Japan because they did a show where Zack Sabre Jr. and Taichi laid out Tanahashi and Ibushi and did like this big heat angle on them. And then later in the show is when evil joined bullet club. And Tony Khan was like, I was like, I can't believe you do this big heat angle. And then you do another big heat angle on the exact same night. And it's like, Tony, you ran four stable disillusion angles on this one show, man. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you don't have a ton of room to talk there. Cause I mean, that's, that's you, you're always doing that story with some stable and with some tag team, some friend group, uh, but on this night, you did it uh, uh, to a to a comical degree, uh, and, and you had almost the, you know, you had the, the reverse, the inverse of the inner circle story happened with this Matt Hardy segment on the same show. And you could just tell the Matt Hardy one was less important by the time it got, you know, by the production it got, uh, by all those elements. So, yeah, that was kind of my frustration is just so much happened. Uh, everything seemed rushed. There is negative time for anything to breathe. You had Excalibur doing hyperspeed throwing to the backstage segment. Uh, You had, uh, you know, I can go on and on. Um, But, yeah, just just too bad because if they had waited a week to do this, I mean, I know you want Jeff Hardy in as soon as you can get him. uh, And I know the idea is, hey, do a big – post-pay-per-view show and you know there will be so many angles and so much happening that everybody will know wow this is the show we tune in for it'll be very exciting um but you know wait till you're in the carolinas a week wait till you don't have another one of these crappy florida crowds that falls asleep um and then you know maybe when you have the one big matt hardy angle on that show and it's not sharing the show it's not sharing the show with the jericho angle maybe then you get an even bigger pop for jeff hardy when he comes out, you know? So, yeah, that was uh, a long rant, but that's my delete, I suppose.
0: Yeah, and, like, so they have three weeks until the show in Columbia, South Carolina. Easily navigatable for anyone in the Carolinas, unless you're, like, in Raleigh. Like, it's pretty centrally located. Uh, you could have spread this out across three weeks, you know, just building up and have them debut on the show before uh Columbia so that you get the ticket spikes for Columbia which I last time saw the tickets they were okay but like Jeff Hardy will sell tickets in the Carolinas that's why you have the Hardy boys that's why whenever they left the WWE they would do indie shows in this area and I would go to the shows and it'd be completely different crowds filled to the brim because the Hardy boys are there so it, it, it's something that like it's not just like the pacing of the single Nate so I talked about this on light but on row two, they had Matt Hardy with Isaiah Cassie. Isaiah is sitting in a chair, staring off in the distance, icing his shoulder. Matt saying, hey, I lost myself. I lost myself. Like the stuff that he was talking about at the beginning of the single. I lost myself. I lost myself here. I'm going to prove it to you because I love you guys. And you'll see on Wednesday. You'll see on Wednesday. And he went in for a hug with Isaiah Cassidy, Isaiah Cassidy, embraced him, but he did not look at. He was like looking like off in the distance, completely disaffected, just completely over it. And then less than 20 minutes later on YouTube, they had a match on Dark that was Private Party versus forget, But Private Party's match, and everything was okay there. Everything was okay. Like Matt Hardy came out there and they were doing everything like this. You would not think that there was dissolution there. And then you had this happening. So it's not just that everything is rushed. It's just that thought and care is not necessarily being applied right now. Because is it something that, like, it's so post-pay-per-view. And I know Tony Khan said in the press conference, I'm glad to see what the injury report is going into uh, Wednesday before we kind of, like, really see how things are going with that. Because this was a show that, I mean, you had matches that were announced this afternoon, which understandable look at this but yet you, you only had two matches announced leading up into this this morning and you just like went boom 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 and then the matches were like maybe combined 40 minutes of your two-hour program because you just had boom 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 segment 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 now some of that could be because of the health issues could it be people banged up like sammy guevara talked about like breaking a wrist you had to take up ribs again and you had orange cassie out in a sling so people were banged up here but I guess getting back to the HFO, so many things are happening that you're not putting the time and effort in there because, yeah, just having a boardroom where they had an actual board meeting with like the Butcher and the Blade there because they're not board members. They did not get a vote, but they're like ex officio and like the Blade is taking minutes and the Butcher is enforcing Robert's Rules of Order that would have been like such like a yeah. good segment that they could have had you could have gone back throughout throughout the show Look, well like yeah the,
1: you, you could do that or you know like you said you have you got a few weeks to spare here um you know I, they definitely shouldn't do something like this all the time but you've got uh you've got brian danielson and scorpio sky in this company uh you know do do some pre-tapes they've got all these great pre-tape people that they work with you know and these independent filmmakers or whatever you know, film film a sketch of the boardroom meeting, um, you know, uh, uh, with with some comedy and stuff in there. Uh, and then chop it up and air, you know, six minutes of it over the next three weeks and then get a resolution to it on the, on the live show. Uh, instead of just throwing everybody out into the ring to do this little angle that didn't really land. Um, you know, that would have been... J- you know, would have given it some more time would have let it sink in a little bit more, given it some more impact. And also I just think been more entertaining on a, on a minute to minute basis.
0: Yeah. Just imagining butcher, like sitting up there with a copy of Robert's rules of order.
1: The, uh, the reason I mentioned, I realized I didn't explain this Scorpio's guy and, and Brian Danielson in those, uh, in
0: yeah, those anger, anger management here. skits. Oh, that, for sure. You know, yeah.
1: Really got Danielson and Kane over, which led to the big Danielson push. Um, so that was, that was kind of the, you know, example I was using in my head, and I didn't explain.
0: <laughs> no, no, that made total sense to me. Like, I, 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 I got where you're going for that. Uh, I guess, like, my, uh, I mean, the HFO thing was going to be my elite as well. Because, like, Jeff Hardy, come on. Like, that's, like, yeah, see, this is, we're 23 years away from 1999 or 2000 with him. But he's still considered, like, such a big star and is, you know, a legitimate, like, crossover figure. That's how you're debuting him. Uh, like a, a most car wrecked show, like that would have been mine there. I, I guess, I mean, we've talked about the pacing there. Okay. This crowd, I don't, I, I, I know that we, that we have patrons that are there live and they're like, yeah, no, the crowd's just kind of, you know, a lot of families, a lot of kids, and, you know, was not really there. But geez, like during some of the matches that they had, the crowd just sat on their hands. They just, weren't interested i mean eddie kingston definitely handled a what chance to start off the show and yeah. did not get much better from there
1: yeah and i you know credit to eddie for defusing that and like addressing it uh you know had it been me i mean <laughs> obviously it would never be me uh but you know i would have gotten much harder on those people doing what chance been like fellas that was 25 years ago it's time for you to grow up and move on with your lives and stop doing you know, old fucking catchphrases from Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, but o- Oatgen pointed out, it, it's just doubly funny that, you know, AEW guy can address those chants and defuse them in two lines, when in WWE they're not allowed to address them at all, and they just have to, like, try and power through them or whatever, which is kind of a funny curse they put on their own talent. Um, also, <laughs> uh, uh, <clears throat> the they did a thank you Regal chant for William Regal, like, which – I don't know, man. I don't. I don't know what you're thanking him for, but I. I <laughs> he, yeah, you know, he was he was a wrestler. I, you know, uh, uh, not my favorite wrestler. A lot of people think he's really great. Uh, you know, maybe some of these people remember his old matches from WCW and are like, "Thank you so much," uh, but I doubt it. <laughs> I, I just don't know why. Why you take that? This you have this cool, exciting, fresh pairing of Moxley and Danielson, which felt you know, extremely current and extremely vital and, like, a vibrant thing happening with those two guys. Uh, and then you put Regal with it, and then these people want to do, like, you still got it to William Regal or some shit. And I was just like, yeah, they got to get out of the Largo Loop. They can't be running these Largo Loop shows.
0: I mean, Gulf Coast, Worst Coast. That's what I got to say about that. Gulf Coast, Worst Coast. Uh, it's just, man. It, it, and it was something that, like... You could tell that the crowd, by the main event, the fact that they were cheering more for Scorpio Sky than they were for Sammy Kavara, like, like that's all. Yeah. Like, all I right,
1: didn't, I didn't get that. Just, I didn't. That didn't. That didn't seem sincere to me. I don't know. Yeah, that seemed like people who wanted to root for the heel or something, or you know, maybe they just want to see a title switch because title switches are exciting. Um, but I'm sure we'll talk about this segment more. But yeah, that didn't. I just felt like people who wanted to, to cheer for the heel or something because they're, I don't know. You, no. You, <laughs> yeah, it, it's not like there's been some groundswell of other Scorpios. I mean, granted, he hasn't been on TV in a year wrestling a match, so uh, I guess there's not a good sample group to compare this to, but there has not been some groundswell of support behind Scorpio Sky of people being like, oh, he's so entertaining, I don't care if he's a face or a heel, I just want to cheer for him. That did not exist.
0: It just was something that, like, we had early indications that it was going to be kind of a rough night through the crowd, and just kind of went from start to finish. That it just was not necessarily the strongest crowd at all. I mean, you still got it to William Regal, just blows my mind. <laughs> no, they,
1: they didn't. Have, they did. Thank you, Regal, which is maybe oh, yeah. cornier and Thinking,
0: worse. Thanking William Regal for what? For like being like the mouthpiece for. Triple H and NXT and yeah, and which is and not and, a positive. Yeah, which is not a positive. Thanking not him for not a positive for,
1: contribution to the wrestling industry.
0: Thanking him for being one of the architects of the dismantling of several independent wrestling scenes. Like yeah, yeah. yeah thank you, thank yeah. you.
1: Very, very odd. Never and uh, you know, <laughs> I, I remember I, I went to a, an AEW show with with a friend of mine, uh, and Tony came out after the show. And you know, did his big hyped uh, uh, thank you speech or whatever. Uh, and the crowd started chanting, Thank you, Tony. Uh, and my friend, like, was like getting like cringe chills, and he's like, Ugh. <laughs> And I'm like, Well, you know, I, I I get it. You don't want you think it's weird for people to be out here like prostrating themselves before this billionaire. Uh, um, but I also get it because you know, he did save major league american cable television pro wrestling like that's not really in doubt like none of this would exist had he not been that specific guy at that specific time with those specific uh uh you know abilities and opportunities etc um but i understand that way more than thanking william regal because because tony i mean tony did this which is a better contribution to to American pro wrestling than William Regal did in WWE without any beyond a shadow of a doubt in my mind.
0: No, I am totally with you on that. I actually now went to go look at Scorpio sky on cage match. See the last time Scorpio sky was on a televised match and you're looking back to October and in a Rampage episode teaming with Junior Dos Santos against the Inner Circle. He was on pay-per-view after that, but everything since then was on YouTube. Yeah. So, just with something to kind of point out there. Uh Listener deletes. Uh First one, Bien-Lar, said, delete Sammy faking injury the whole picture-in-picture picture during the main event. This whole three-minute Sammy being a dumbass, doing a 6.30 through a table to eat time, and they... I I had to imagine that was intolerable for you on Fight TV. Well, I
1: I mostly just tuned it out because um, it, it became clear to me what they were doing, which is that they were just going to do it the whole commercial break. Um, I I don't know it, so that didn't bother me because at least that had a purpose and it was specifically timed for the commercial break and to be you know as uh as. Unintrusive to the audience As possible I suppose You know uh, I even like that idea For the match you know the idea of the match is Sammy is crazy He's had all these matches in such a short amount of time He just did this huge bump on the pay per view Two days ago or whatever uh, And now he's continuing to be crazy He's going for the high risk maneuver He's 630 off the Turnbuckle through a table on the outside uh, And finally he catches up with them. All these high risk spots and he totally eats shit uh, and it's a huge bump it's a crazy looking bump uh so that becomes the story of the match which is that he missed on the high-risk opportunity he ate shit he's hurt now he's a valiant baby face so he's, he's not just going to give up uh but it ends up costing him the match in the title that all makes perfect sense that's all a good idea in a vacuum um and i don't and i think that's even maybe smart to do it all during the ad break uh because then you sell the idea that he's really hurt, but you're not using all that time up on, on the main television, right? Uh, I will say it, it didn't uh, – this, this ties right back into the crowd as well, that it, it was not playing perfectly in the building uh, in that, you know, Sammy got up and was going to the back and everybody – you know, nobody was like, oh, no, Sammy, our champion is hurt. The crowd was just like booing because he's like, oh, he's leaving and we're not getting our match, uh, which is not the reaction that you want there. And, you know, I I don't know if, I don't know if a smarter crowd, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to define these things because, you know, it's a quote unquote smart crowd and that they know it's fake. Right. So that's why they're not actually concerned for their babyface champion. If it was a quote unquote dumb crowd, they'd be like, oh no, I'm so distressed about my favorite wrestler. He's hurt. But you know, there's another level of a smart crowd, which is I know it's fake, but I'm still going to play along because that's the story that we're telling here. And they didn't get that at all. They just got the the fans that wanted to chant for the heel uh, and they booed Sammy because he was walking to the back. So that didn't play perfectly. Uh, and that's, you know, you're dealing with a larger loop crowd. Uh, so then he does the baby v- babyface thing. He turns around on the ramp and goes, no, I'm going to wrestle. Uh, and, you know, he got a bit of a pop for that. Uh, so I don't mind during that during the ad break. That's it, all fine it, to me.
0: It's something that like that overall match like I was going to get so frustrated if Sammy just went kick away I'm GTH and when I was glad actually with, with the story they tell that Scorpio won because it was like Scorpio basically took like one barricade bump and that was it until Sammy came back into the ring. I was like there's no reason why he should be able to have like a pop-up move. Sammy doesn't have a flash pen. Like that's the only way that Sammy should be able to win this match and the fact that you, yeah, there was all the interference in the end. Like, this was like a title change that one was probably hampered by circumstances and time, but also, I, you know, in front of the right crowd, this would have gotten crazy heat. Well, but, I,
1: I, I don't know. Because Scorpio's not really over.
0: That's true. <laughs> yeah, I, so I mean,
1: that's, that's the main issue with that, I think.
0: Dan Lambert's over. Right. but Scorpio isn't, but Dan but, Lambert yeah, you, involved. You
1: just said, you know, Scorpio hasn't, he's wrestled one time on t- two times on TV in the last year or whatever. So I think that's really, that's my, my main issue with it, which is that they told the perfect story for what this match should be with this guy in this spot. But, and I, I don't even dislike the idea of pushing Scorpio. I I've said since the beginning, I think they have Scorpio tagged as a guy that they want to push. I think that Scorpio has, uh, you know, some things to bring to the table as a wrestler and, you know, uh, can have good matches and is talented and can, you know, speak in promo pretty well. Um, But they tried to do all this when he's never on wrestling on television. (laughs) So it's like, they come and like, oh, he's undefeated for the last year since the day after Revolution last year. And it's like, no, he's not. I, I mean, maybe he is, but he hasn't wrestled. So what do I care? It's just like... I they, I understand the intent but it just doesn't work for that because you, know, you can't count all those dark wins and stuff as being an actual push because they basically didn't happen that's, that's my main frustration with it is like and, and I even think hey this is their move to legitimize Scorpio it's to give the American top team some real juice even that'll make sense to me but none of those things all those good ideas and good intentions can't get over the hump which is Scorpio is not over because he has not been pushed on TV.
0: Yeah. And like the last like big stuff he did on TV was as a as, as like supporting American Top talking. Like it was more about Dan Lambert or the Ethan Page and Darby Allen feud where right. he was backing up his partner. He, he's he's the third guy in that trio. You know, it, it and it's something that's kind of wild because he's the one who wrestles all the time on YouTube. So like he has this inflated record. Like I I've given up caring about the rankings. Like they're good. They can work it. Whatever, as it it's wrestling, you work it. But like the idea of momentum, like this, probably was the most flat title change.
1: Yeah, I mean they they actually lucked into having those fans that just wanted to cheer for Scorpio because it did make it seem hotter than I I think it probably should have been. Um. But yeah, that, that's pretty much where I come down on it. Is, hey, the the story makes perfect sense. The idea to legitimize Scorpio makes perfect sense. Uh, you know, all that stuff in a vacuum is a good idea, good booking. But you haven't built the foundation. You haven't put the money in the bank to get Scorpio to a spot where it feels earned for him to actually do it. They it, it just feel you're you're trying to take a shortcut. You're taking a total shortcut with Scorpio to do that. Uh, and I think it's too bad because, like I said, I think Scorpio, uh, is talented. I think they could push him and get him over if they invested the time to do it. It's like it's like with Wardlow. They decided, okay, we're gonna start a Wardlow push now, and all of a sudden Wardlow was on TV every single week, powerbombing guys. Uh, and you know they didn't do that with Scorpio. Scorpio was the third guy doing promos, pre-tape promos, or in the skybox promos. With Dan Lambert and Ethan Page for like uh, uh, five months since you know the last time he was doing anything of note on television in the ring.
0: Yeah, no, it's you know you can kind of see and a real interesting compare and contrast. I'm glad you brought up Wardlow is the obvious person to compare to with that. Uh, the other listener delete uh, Thoros brought up an interesting point: Andrade and Jose being trapped with the f- Jobber unit.
1: Hmm, do I, I mean, I kind of, I don't hate that because I'm I'm mostly amused by Andrade and Jose and they're mostly funny to me, especially Jose, but Andrade is also funny. Um, I do think they shouldn't change the name of the unit. They should continue to call it the Andrade Harley family office and Matt Hardy should be like, the, you know, I'm not in the thing anymore. Change the name <laughs> and Andrade should be like, why should I change the name? You change your name. That'd be good to be take it my name off the shingle do it <laughs> uh they should keep the name um I, yeah i don't know I, I mean i like all those guys in that unit though so i i can't just call the job a Jabra unit because i like all those guys and i think you can probably heat them up if you invest the time uh you know should it become necessary
0: yeah i i mean i i guess the- One of the reasons why I kind of agree with this, why I picked this is you look at the AHFO where it was, and you had a little bit of juice like Hardy backing up Andrade and Jose. Now you pretty much have to gear this into Andrade and his goons. Like that's the way on TV that this has to play out is he basically has now unlimited flunkies, which, hey, we love flunkies. So that's great. But you have to play this and gear this right. But Mm-hmm. hardy fighting over the shingle would be very very funny though
1: yeah no i uh, i think you're right i think this is actually a step forward for andrade because now he's the unequivocal leader of this and now he has all these flunkies instead of he's sharing time with matt hardy right so i think in that way it's, it's momentum for him
0: it, it it's also something where like now you have jeff in here like how are you going to pay off this like like the hfo like another way to look at like how it's so top heavy is you're gonna have to have andrade versus the hardy boys who do you have as the third and or do you have as the fourth is it isaiah because isaiah and matt have all the stuff going on there or are you going to like have him like bring out the butcher like that i i think that would be sick but like i i think that's somewhat in play when you think about this
1: yeah i don't no, for sure how andrade matches up with them i mean really now that you have the hardy boys they could just go do their own thing uh if they don't want to fight over the shingle you you kind of have the freedom to do whatever you want because it's the hardy boys uh but you know i, I think for sure you have to do the hardy boys versus private party because you know private party got together because they were both hardy boys fans in wrestling school so you have to do that match you can also do the Hardy Boys versus the Butcher and the Blade, uh, and that you know that can be the easy win for the Hardys. Yeah, and- and I mean- Andrade, uh, you know it doesn't seem like they're going to have Jose work ever. I don't know if maybe he's he's retired from in ring, um, but you know, I mean, th- hey, there's plenty of allies Andrade has that that w- could be on the market for him to call.
0: Yeah, and he might be expanding. Who knows? Now that Andrade's in charge, he might, you know, go on, on another hiring spree. I mean, I imagine that he's going to offer better terms than Matt Hardy did with the HFL. That's right. There's a lot of ways to go with that. So let's go through the rest of Dynamite. It opened up with the Chris Jericho, Eddie Kingston's angle that we talked about, forming the Jericho and Appreciation Society. Uh, after that, we had CM Punk in a pre-tape. It was interspliced with clips from the a uh, dog collar match and CM Punk in the back of an ambulance. CM Punk said, "Anyone who wants the old CM Punk back should think twice." D- he spent all this time detoxing himself of all the ghosts from uh, for to go to some place I don't want to go. Have to go be and and CM Punk is dead. Long live CM Punk. Interesting angle or like promo from him. It was very calmly said and it was very much like him like exhaling after the night he had. I felt like
1: yeah this guy I don't know if you've heard pretty good promo
0: pretty good promo there uh, we had the uh, world title match at Hangman Page defending against Dante Martin Hangman won with a buckshot after a wacky reversal sequence after the match Hangman congratulated Dante like we were talking about that brought out Adam Cole and called Sunday a fluke victory I don't know if I call that a fluke you came out wearing bad Halo cosplay like dude you, you dug your own grave you already starting from behind there but nonetheless, Cole challenged him to a six man tag team match and heavily alluded that he'd be teaming with the Bucks, talking about we'd be teaming with some longtime friends of yours. Cole said that uh, Paige's days as a champion were numbered and that he will not stop. From there, we went into uh, Brian Danielson and John Moxley with William Regal versus the Work and many different eras of Gabe Sapolsky uh, produce match there. It was uh, Danielson winning with the uh, stomps into the label lock, which I have to say, like, I, you notice, like, the crowd was really that kind of crowd when they were doing countless yes chants. And Danielson, I think, like, because usually he does those stomps going into, like, the triangle choke, right? Like, that's he's developed that as a finish. Smart guy, you know, great wrestler, you know, realizing this and playing into that. Afterwards, we had William Regal uh, telling, basically, talking about him and Tony Schiavone's, uh, history you know him like Tony Schiavone being one of his first real friends and Regal was kind of was on the edge of tears and he talked about when he was fired from the other place he was checked out until Brian Danielson mentioned him and then he knew he had to watch AEW I wrote down at this point this is going very long he talked about for a long time whenever you heard Brian Danielson my name was brought up so I was synonymous with this and this is someone that I've had a long friendship with and then he Moxley was kind of bouncing in the ring and Regal went, I will talk to you about you in a second. And then he talked about when he faced Moxley and it said that, that this was a, that this went sadistic here and he tapped into a different side of him and he closed out this saying, whoever who wants to face us, you will either step up or be stepped on.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, this was a very cool match to book. It didn't, you know, it didn't get the time or the competitiveness for it to be the match that obviously it could be. Like these two teams could have a great match. Uh, but it was, you know, a light work night for the new team of main event babyface, no, main event tag team wrestlers. Um, Anthony Henry came out with a lot of fire and took it to Brian Danielson right away. So I was like, oh, all right. You know, Anthony Henry is going to be like, no, I'm, I'm, I'll show you violence, man. But Danielson just kind of didn't go back to him uh with it which kind of disappointed me I kind of wanted to see Danielson in that mode that he was against uh, Daniel Garcia or whatever but he just like tagged out Moxley at that point but yeah it just wasn't going to be that kind of match which was too bad because it it'd be great to see these guys have like a a blow away work rate match
0: um the give them 20 minutes give them 20 minutes and they're going to have like the best night match of the night if not the week or the month absolutely
1: um The regal, I mean, so it's it's Regal's first night in, it's his first post WWE, you know, promo or whatever. So you got to give him all the leash, give him all the latitude. That's fine. Uh, The moment with Tony was nice. That was a a nice, genuine moment. It's you know, like I've said, I like to see real things on wrestling because that's what wrestling has been missing. So it was nice to see uh, just some real humanity there. Um, But yeah, you know, but when he was halfway into the the talking about Danielson and Moxley stuff, I was like, you know, I don't, I don't, it'll be a, it'll be a tall task for Regal to cut a promo for this team. That's going to be better than the promo that Brian Danielson would have cut by himself. Cause Brian Danielson is on a great string. Uh, he's like the best character in pro wrestling. Uh, and William Regal's going to have to cut an all time promo to do better than Brian Danielson would have done in the same spot. That's that, that's the thought I came away from this with.
0: Let alone John Moxley.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, this, to say nothing of John Moxley, but, you know, uh, uh, the, the Regal and Danielson promos theoretically should sort of have the same aim, whereas yeah. Moxley will be doing his own thing.
0: Right. Yeah, no, you're totally right about this. And it, it was a nice game that, that, that moment, like it was very clear that it was very genuine from. William Regal and Tony Schiavone. And it. it's nice that Tony gets to like all these moments that he's had, cause he's had it with sting. He's had it with this, that, you know, he's someone that, you know, when he was first announced for the promotion three years ago, it's like, oh, okay, that's neat. Like, that's like a nice tie in, but you're like, you're seeing someone in like in like this new phase of life, really like enjoying himself and getting, you know, like his roses in a way and being able to reconnect in a really just emotionally affecting way.
1: If there's one lesson that AEW should have taught to, uh, uh, young wrestlers, is that if you're in a position to help a wrestler over on excru- excursion or coming to a country for the first time, you know, go out of your way to make things easy for them and help them, uh, and and get them settled. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's kind of like a underlying thread of this whole entire promotion is, you know what? Be nice to other wrestlers, and you know, cuz it's going to pay if other than, you know, just being genuinely a decent person, like someone going a stranger in a strange land, like I mean, The Bucks and Okada, I mean, like and then, you know, Tony Schiavone having like these like talking with like his friends from 30 years ago. It's just it pays off to be nice to people, I guess. It's the lesson we could learn here. Uh, we went backstage with Dark Order. Heyman apologized for kind of just, like, shirking them on Sunday. The Dark Order was really excited because they thought that they would be uh, a Heyman's tag team partners in the upcoming trios match. Heyman said, oh, yeah, uh, I went with Jurassic Express. They really want to kick the young buck's ass. And John Silver said, well, I have to go get my beard uh, conditioned then. So that's okay.
1: Yeah, and they're selling that Alex Reynolds was was still mad and was not... You know, forgiving Hangman for it or whatever. Uh they put that over on BTE. Uh I, I don't I've had enough of this. I don't care. I, <laughs> you know, we're going back to to Hangman and the Bucks interpersonal drama with the dark order in the background. Yeah. Are they friends or not? Uh yeah, come on. More yeah. Not only is this, you know, the third, fourth stable dissolution thing on this show, it's the third or fourth time we've done it with these specific people. Like, come on.
0: Yeah, and that went straight into the, the Bucks, Cole, and Red Dragon having issues. Uh, Cole saying it was immediate. It was a bad weekend for all of them, immediate crosstalk between all five of them. Cole shuts them up and he talks about wanting to have tag with two of his best friends and they want to throw a party. The Bucks immediately beg off and said, Hey, we told you from the start, we don't want to be in, interjected and in whatever you have going off Hangman Page. We're out of it. Cole said, Well, I wasn't going to. I'm going to be Red Dragon. And that went straight into so we had three straight dissolution segments in a row, because right after that, oh, completely forgot. Between these two, we had Pack and Wheeler. Uh, <laughs> Pack one of the brutalizer. This was just a decent short match.
1: Yeah. Hey, you know, I'm never going to complain about Pac getting a decisive win on somebody yeah. in a short amount of time on television. Uh, and the, you know, <laughs> what I thought about this was. Hey, this is a lot better than when Pac squashed Hot Young Briley on Dynamite. So yeah. th- there's, a, there's a plus in Wheeler Yuda's column.
0: Yeah. And Yuda looked good in this. And Pac sold for Yuda and made, and Yuda bounced and it looked good there. But that was in between three straight dissolution angles, just to tie that back in. Because then we had FTR. FTR Ball talked about wrestling being his first love, but now he has a wife and he has a daughter and he has to go tell uh, his daughter that daddy and Uncle Dan got to do the thing. Tolly said he was there to lead him to championships. Uh, I have a family myself. And then FTR Harris said, this is about my family. Tolly, you're fired. And that was like 45 seconds.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've never... Tolly has done nothing for me in this promotion. I can't think of one positive that he's upgraded an angle in any way. There was maybe one there was, there was an FTR promo where there was cake yeah. or something and FTR both cut pretty rough promos. And then totally kind of brought it home with like a, uh, you know, kind of standard over the plate promo. That was the only time maybe where he kind of bailed him out a little that I remember. Uh, but other than that, he's been a totally unnecessary addition to the act. I think um, it's,
0: the like the only other thing i think about was when he like he was part of the bait and switch they attacked the rock and roll express
1: yeah um so whatever you know this is another thing that happened too quickly if it's going to have any sort of impact if you know if it's supposed to have ongoing repercussions on a story in some way uh but if it's honestly just them bothering to write off Tully instead of no longer booking him you know, I guess at least they went to that effort of being like, hey, man, you're fired. Uh, that's fine.
0: Yeah. But, yeah. It, it just was everything, you know, going really quickly. Uh, we had the HFO segment talking about going really quickly. Uh, we, we've talked about that. Swartz Strickland was backstage. And he was talking about that he was going to debut on Friday on Rampage. And then Tony Nese came to st- came out to stop him from talking because the premier athletes going to welcome him, and they ended the segment with sort of making a joke that he was wondering who was going to be the first person to interrupt him in a promo.
1: Yeah, I like Swerve. I liked him doing the Who's House thing and making Tony answer Tony and Shivani. Um. Yeah, I I, I think he's a big, big positive. Uh, he's a charismatic guy, and I think he can. He can entertain in the ring. So, you know, another sort of fine little introductory match for him where he can get a strong win over a guy who looks
0: good. Yeah. And he had a Cowboy Bebop variant T-shirt on.
1: I thought that was Cowboy Bebop.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if it was a strip Cowboy Bebop shirt or if it was a takeoff of it, but, you know, it was pretty clearly, you know, Cowboy Bebop, which I thought was sick. Uh, we had the Wardlow segment. He One last thing about Wardlow before we move on, he came out of the face tunnel, and he said karma would be his revenge. Wardlow wants it all. What a great baby face Wardlow is.
1: Did you notice that Danielson came out of the heel tunnel? Uh, yeah. And then Moxley, of course, doesn't come out of a tunnel. Uh, but they were, you know, they... They've been received as huge baby faces ever since Regal came out. So, and I don't really see that changing, uh, even, you know, if he's being sadistic and stuff. The the Regal promo certainly did not help in any way make him a heel act. So we'll see. They might just have to be like, uh, okay, these sadistic, you know, violent freaks are baby faces now.
0: Yeah, that's going to, I've been saying this a lot, that's going to be a tough needle a thread to try to make this into a heel or tweener act whatsoever. I, you know, that's going to be an uphill climb uh keith lee was backstage talking to qt marshall qt says i know you're limitless keith lee did not care qt wants to work with keith lee against team taz because they all they all have stuff against team taz and he says that he has keith lee's back keith said my back is rather large and i'm good and that's up a match on rampage yeah there's another
1: angle on hyperspeed whatever (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh, we had a tag team title match that was announced today. Jurassic Express defended against the acclaimed. I feel like they faced the acclaimed before the uh, Jurassic express won with jungle boy, pinning Anthony Bowens after an Escalera doomsday device. And this was just like a solid match. Like if it wasn't for how much I enjoyed the, uh, hangman page Dante Martin match, this probably was the best match on the show.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to complain about giving champions a win, you know, just a, a clean win over a team. That's all, almost always a positive to do, I think. Uh, but it just make me wonder why they... I, I don't... Hot-shotted sounds too strong because hot-shotted has become like a very loaded term. In right. In current discourse or whatever. But it does... They did uh, warm-shotted. They warm-shotted all of these title matches in <laughs> like the two hours directly before the show on Twitter. Uh, I wonder what the motivation there was that they, they decided they all needed to be title matches all of a sudden. It it was curious to me.
0: Yeah. Like, I understand, like, again, the injury report, you know, you get everyone there and you're like, okay, you're cleared. You're not, you should take the day off. But, and like all of that, but like going boom, 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 it made me think like, oh, Tony just got his coffee in his system. And then yeah, title matches, I guess making the show feel less rushed by doing so. Uh, we had jade with with uh, smart mark sterling jade said who's next the better question is who's left the eclipse of her match against ty conti she says and then mark said the next match is going to be the 30th and then jade interjected who wants the kiss of death so you know, pretty solid one uh saying in the women's division we had layla hirsch Versus Thunder Rosa, it was a women's title eliminator match. Thunder Rosa won with a fire thunder driver. After the match, Tony Schiavone, who had a he had a busy night, Tony Schiavone, Uh, he stood up from the announce desk, announced that it was a steel cage match next week in San Antonio. Uh, During the match, Red Velvet came out to stop Layla from grabbing the turnbuckle and hitting her like what happened with Chris Satlander at Revolution, and we went immediately backstage to Britt with all of. Brit's flunkies, uh, Jamie Hater and Rebel. She made a pep in her step joke. She's made about it. She's mad about this match being in the cage because that's a conspiracy against her. And they made reference that Jamie's going to be taking out Mercedes Martinez on Rampage. So it's going to be her all alone. And the last line or line that really stood out to me is, what's going to happen if a Carney riffraff wins this belt?
1: yeah this felt like the mo- i mean this is no surprise this felt like the most perfunctory of all the perfunctory hyperspeed angles that they ran like this this even maybe more so than the andrade hardy family office thing was like you know just just seemed like it was rushed and and thrown together and and wasn't given the attention or the sense of importance or the uh uh, care i don't know there's a there's a better word that i'm not centering on but it's like you know we kind of had the idea since thunder rosa was losing on the pay-per-view that they were going to do you know another match in san antonio's like our home base uh and that would be where we where they switch the titles um and you know granted they had to to book that relatively quickly coming off the pay-per-view but yeah it just it seems like well it's a foregone conclusion that that's where the match is so we're not even gonna do uh you know a bunch of 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 breadcrumbing and escalating and and i don't know what it is a, a bunch of to do about setting this match up and making it feel like a big deal it's just gonna be like right. hey guys you all know the match is happening so that's where the match is going to be also it's a cage match uh, that's kind of what it felt like. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't have a fix for that uh, except letting it breathe more, you know, showing in some way that it's, it's more of a priority, but, uh, uh, just didn't feel, it felt very perfunctory to me. It did not feel like, uh, you know, some exciting development or escalation, I, you know, the match will probably be pretty hot because it is San Antonio. The cage is a is a nice little cheat to make it feel like more of a big deal. Um, but does this feud between these two women, who were at one point having the hottest feud in the women's division, does it feel any hotter now than it did before the pay-per-view when it felt totally lukewarm? No, it just feels like we're at the exact same same pace and level.
0: And it's something that like, there was all the reporting about this match, like, game changer around at the pay-per-view wouldn't it have been better at this point to like do like an injury angle at the pay-per-view but like have like brits uh have like jimmy hater and rebel like just take her out and be like oh no can't clear her and it's like okay you'll be getting your title shot but you know she'll be cleared in two weeks in her hometown and because yeah. all this happened now we're doing the cage yes you're removing a women's match from the pay-per-view you yeah. probably could have found something else to do with that. You could have find a way to put another woman's match on that pay-per-view, but that would have done something at least for this feud so it doesn't feel as perfunctory as you're saying.
1: Yeah, I think that's uh maybe a good idea. You do the the Tanya Harding angle that they did with Hogan on whatever pay-per-view that was. Uh and, you know, maybe you set it up on the buy-in so you're not quote-unquote false advertising if the pay-per-view, you know, you're like, "Hey, you know, uh uh Hater and and Rebel took out Thunder Rosa with a pipe backstage, Thunder Rosa is not going to be able to compete, you know, and, and maybe you throw on some replacement match or something, but yeah, it feels like there was another way to get here than this way that, that ultimately felt very just sort of pat and lukewarm.
0: No, yeah, totally. And then we had the TNT title match. Uh, Scorpio sky won this. Of course he won with the TKO. This happened after Dan Lambert hopped on the apron, did a distraction and then that brought out Tay Conti, who was already at ringside when Sammy went through the table. There was another big distraction, which set up Paige Van Zandt jumping the barricade. And that, all that distraction bought the time for Scorpio to pop up, hit the TKO. And we went to black after American Top Team left them all laying. And Paige Van Zandt signed her AEW's contract on Tay's ass.
1: Yeah, that was a nice touch. Uh, Ty is a good first opponent for Paige Van Zandt, I think, uh, you know, cause she's got all that karate shit. So it'll set up a nice little dynamic between the two of them being, you know, shoot fighters or whatever. Um, so yeah, you know, talked enough about the match, uh, but that's, that's interesting. It, will it, be cool if Paige Van Zandt can, can be something, uh, you know, like we said about that Thunder Rose and Britt Baker feud. You know, the the next hot woman of this division will be whoever they sign next. So we're now in the honeymoon period with Paige Jane's aunt where maybe they can, you know, keep her hot for a little while, uh, and, and see if they can make her make something out of her. Um but, you know, it, it'll continue to take investment and in, in time and care. So
0: Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. This it's just we've seen how they've kind of dealt with this division before and I'm um... Not going to count my chickens for the hatch here. Uh, So that was Dynamite. If you like Everything Elite, the best way to support Everything Elite is on our Patreon. We are entirely patron supported. You go to patreon.com slash everything elite. We have three tiers offering all sorts of content. The three, five, eight. As well, this week we had our revolution instant reaction show immediately after it was a very tired me and a codeined up nate it was a i I thought it was the show was really i had a good time with the show there but we do that on the patreon each week we do aew light that is aaron and i previewing each week's dynamite talking about elevation row two and dark this week or for the next few weeks until aaron is back i'm kind of doing an extra segment that i'm adding on to a light each week this week i talked more about the tony khan purchasing roh and the news that's come out from the press conference and other reporting since then and how aew might tie into it but that's not all you get with the everything elite patreon we have a discord that you sign up it's honestly the best wrestling chat room i've been a part of i would say and uh, all of our back content we have i think last time i checked nate we were up to about over a hundred different podcasts throughout this covering all the shows pretty much since the first pay-per-view. So you go to patreon.com slash everything elite three tiers again, three, five and eight for all of your desires there rampage and uh, next week's dynamite for rampage. We have, it it was taped tonight in Estero, Florida. It was, we will be having the uh, match between, Mercedes Martinez and uh, Jamie Hayter, as well Darby Allen versus Mark Quinn, uh, Keith Lee versus QT Marshall, and as well we will be having the uh, debut of Swerve Strickland versus Tony Nice as well announced for next week. It is St. Patrick's Day Slam, the Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa in a steel cage, and Scorpio Sky defending. The TNT title against Wardlow so a lot of stuff coming up here I have to say uh, I wasn't really jazzed about Tony Nese versus Swerve Sch- 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 Strickland but you know if if you're wanting to have like an impressive debut makes sense Tony Nese is that guy you know makes a lot of sense there
1: yeah it was a good good first win guy
0: good first win guy QT is going to completely eat shit against Keith Lee so I mean that's good uh Jimmy Hayter and Mercedes Martinez might be the most back-and-forth match on that show. So that, that'll be pretty sick. And then Darby and Quinn. I, I expect that's going to be a shenanigans fest, personally. But, uh, Nate, unless you got anything else, I think that's going to do it for us this week.
1: Nope, I'm ready to pass out.
0: All right, so... As I mentioned before, best way to support the show is at patreon.com slash everything elite. You can go to linktree.com slash everything AEW give you links to all of our accounts across the internet. You can follow us, though, at everything AEW. Nate is at Epidesis. I'm at Fujihea. And Aaron is at Aaron Like the Car. But that's going to do it. So for Aaron, for Nate, I'm Mike. Thank you for listening. Catch you next time.